Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And tell me what's happening. This is the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 68. I, of course, am a Pyromaniac Mo. You can give me a follow on Twitter, all letters, Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow the regular crew, that is at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. Today's intro music, Fish, off the Farmhouse album, First Tube, I had to go with the album version because otherwise, you know, you'd be there for 30 minutes. So you can stay tuned at the end of this podcast and hear the song in its entirety. Gang, we're jumping right in. We've got less than a week till the action begins. Head over to pyromaniac.com to get your draft kit. If you've not been keeping up on injuries and ADP movement, Pyro has your back. We do the hard work so you can dominate draft day. That's at pyromaniac.com. Today, we are pausing. We're taking a moment of reflection, as it were, to look back on the preseason, make those last-minute adjustments to our tiers, get our draft prep done and ready. This is my favorite time of the season, doing the drafts, and I've got one of my favorite analysts, uh, a very a kind soul, one of my favorite people to talk to, Sigmund Bloom. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. He is, of course, co-owner of FootballGuys.com. You can hear him on the Audible podcast, and honestly, my favorite podcast, uh, On the Couch, Sigmund, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here. A big thumbs up on the choice of intro music. <laughs> I just only wish we could have waited one more episode in honor of Rob Gronkowski. I would have loved to have been on <laughs> the next episode. Well, hey, man, if you got the time, I know I do, but you are a busy, yeah. <laughs> busy man. 
Uh, thank you for joining me. I mean, dude, yeah, I love the the team previews you guys do, and honestly, I feel like I'm a fly on the wall on the on the couch podcast. So, can you talk to our listeners in case they haven't sure. done themselves the pleasure of listening? Tell them about on the couch and some stuff you guys do at football guys. Well, on the couch, I get uh, tons of people from around the industry uh, to come and sit down. We spend an hour, so we let topics breathe. We go off on tangents, and it's a chance to really go deeper, uh, go through all season, off season. And it, it's just the the wavelength I like to be at with the people I like to spend time with. And the football guys, we just obsess about fantasy football and football, IDP, DFS, uh, college DFS now. That's back. We're back giving you advice there. We've got apps. If you don't want to subscribe, the trade dominator, the waiver and waiver wire dominator, the lineup dominator. And then we can we have us looking over your shoulder with the draft dominator uh, to distill that power. I know a lot of people are cramming for drafts right now. Indeed. And you know, that's what we're kind of talking about. There's a lot of movement and I've been keeping up on my ADP, my personal tiers, but you know, if you've been asleep at the wheel in the last week or two, a lot has changed. And so we've been trying to do this podcast for a while. So I jotted down some notes earlier. I jotted down some this week. There's just so much to keep up on. So Let's jump in, man. Jacksonville, they've got a lot of change going on. Now, of course, they've lost Marquise Lee. He's gone. According to ESPN's Michael DeRocco, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but DJ Chark was, quote, the most impressive wide receiver at camp. So with the change that Marquise Lee has now done for the season, are you a Keelan Cole man, a Westbrook, a Chark, or Moncrief? Because he was the guy that kind of stepped up once Lee went down. What do you think there? I'd go with Cole uh, just because he had that hot stretch at the end of the season last year. I like his chemistry with Blake Bortles, and uh, I think he's tirelessly worked. This is that undrafted free agent hunger uh, to make himself better. Then I'd secondly go Westbrook. Already saw his arrow pointing up, even though he's got a slow start because of injury last year. And then Moncrief, just because he's been underwhelming. But I think you're right that Moncrief will get a bigger opportunity at first. And still, even without – Marquise Lee, this could end up being a situation that for a week or two, we think we have clarity on who to play, and then it changes. And, you know, Cole has one catch for 11 yards, and Moncrief has seven for 100. And then the next week, Moncrief goes back to having two for 25, and it's a Westbrook week. And, you know, week one against the Giants might be an Austin Safarian Jenkins week because it's the Giants. So I do think it was a run first offense, and hopefully, them getting Corey Grant worked in more. The right answer might end up being none of the above in hindsight, but yeah. I, I still I think Cole is the guy with the momentum right now. Yeah, they're all a little bit scary because you can get Moncrief rather late. I've been doing that in some best balls, but none of them make me feel really good. Uh, Another team that doesn't make me feel really good, of course, Baltimore. Now, the Ravens had the most vacated targets, 332. So according to Roto World, I believe. So there's lots of opportunity there. They got the gunslinger. Now, which gunslinger do you like? Is it, are you going to draft Flacco late in your draft? Or are you going to take a Mr. Lamar Jackson? At this point, I think we need a Flacco injury to see Jackson this year. Okay. So, it, 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 and I'm not, not necessarily drafting Flacco either, but I do think that this is going to be a lot better offense than we've seen the last two years. Flacco is healthy, as uh, healthy as he's been, at least uh, for the last three years. The offensive line is healthy. I, I think he's riffed well with John Brown, and uh, they've got better targets than they had last year. Uh, the running game with Alex Collins installed is going to be better. So, I do think this is an offense to look for growth. Uh, I just don't know if I, I – 
if I'm going to rely on the quarterback position to harvest that. Yeah, John Brown, he's been the talk of camp, and I went on Josh Hermsmeyer's airyards.com. He's got the FUPA, basically judging their speed. Tyreek Hill last season, according to airyards.com, Josh Hermsmeyer, graded him at 19.6, one of the fastest guys. John Brown, two years ago, 23.2. I mean, they don't call him smoke for nothing. Are you believing in all this camp hype with John Brown? Oh, I am. And I don't think there's anything we need to believe in to know that John Brown is good at football. Yeah. It's just staying on the field. It's just a question of once he gets dinged, his sickle cell condition makes it harder for him to get back to full strength, and then it becomes kind of a lost season for him. But I love taking him 12th round or later. I, he riffs so well with Joe Flacco in the deep arm. I think he is the number one receiver for this offense right now. And week one, I'll be interested to see who um, Vontae Davis is lined up against for Buffalo. So if it's Michael Crabtree, maybe it's Michael Crabtree week. But John Brown, in just one play, just like John Ross did in the third preseason yep. game against Vontae yep. Davis, just one play can make your week the John Brown week one. Now, before we move off, I know you, you like a Lamar Jackson, the rookie. Dynasty yeah. drafts, are you still taking him in Dynasty? Yeah, I, if we were doing a Dynasty rookie draft right now, um, I was a little aggressive taking him in the early second. I still had him rated as a first-round pick. I I might move a few. The rookie wide receivers have all had tremendous summers. So mm-hmm. guys like Anthony Miller, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, um, if they're still there in the early second and I'm looking at Lamar Jackson, I might wait. And I also think Baker Mayfield's done a lot for himself, so I don't know that Lamar Jackson, the gap between Jackson and Mayfield is the number two rookie dynasty quarterback has closed a little bit, but I still think that the community in general has vastly underrated Lamar Jackson. He had three rushing touchdowns in the preseason. That gives you a preview of what we're going to expect when he does eventually become the starter. Yeah, it's it's exciting, man. I can't, I'm so ready for this season to begin, but you know, I'm, I'm getting in as many best balls as I can because I, I love the draft. The draft is just my favorite time of year. So I am all a Twitter over here. Miami, we said, Baltimore, the Ravens, had the most vacated targets. Miami's number two. Lots of opportunity in Miami, but whom to pick, right? 290 vacated targets. Last year with Jarvis Landry, he accounted for 30% of the red zone target share. He's gone. So who are we liking here? There's a big movement now for Stills. He's going roughly about the ninth round in best ball. Parker's falling, 11th round. There's some exciting guys here to talk about. Personally, I like an Albert Wilson. You can get him in roughly 18th round. They've also got Danny Amendola. They got the Carew, the the rookie from, I believe, last season. Do you like any of the wide receivers in Miami? Kenny Stills, uh, almost by default. Devontae Parker, I I might not even take Devontae Parker at this point, to be honest. Because yeah. there's so many there's so many wide receivers I like better than him, and he's going to start the year banged up, and he wasn't generating any momentum in training camp or the preseason before he got banged up. Um, Danny Amendola could be sneaky as a high percentage slot receiver. Uh, he could lead his team in targets and receptions for as long as he's healthy. Uh, at the same time, in the background, I don't like the Dolphins' offense to maximize the value players. I don't like Ryan Tannehill to maximize the value of his receivers. Yeah. So it's I, I don't know if it's essential, but because people generally are letting Kenny Stills last the eighth, ninth, tenth round, uh, I'll find myself taking him. Yeah, I like a Stills, but honestly, if we're looking for someone to take over Landry, I mean, 
Albert Wilson's A dot, his average depth of target, is basically where Landry ran. 2016, Landry yeah. 6.8, 6.3, 2017. That's right up uh, Albert Wilson's alley. Stills, he's a downfield guy. And even if you look at preseason targets, I believe Stills had five and Wilson's getting 12. Would you take uh, Albert Wilson a dart throw, 18th, 19th round? At this point, I might take Danny Amendola over him. Although okay. in week one, in week one, I do think if Parker's not ready, Wilson's going to get some run. But I, I would say Amendola over him just because we're looking at all those targets that Jarvis Landry vacated out of the slot, and the team made it pretty clear early. Even though a lot of us said, "Hey, Albert Wilson's a good slot receiver," this is going to be a battle in training camp between Wilson and Amendola to see who's going to get that mm-hmm. valuable slot role. They basically handed it to Amendola from day one. What about the, the tight end there? Lots of excitement early on. Yeah. And now tight end is not usually the position, if you're if it's a rookie, not usually the guy you want to take. However, last year we saw Ingram rise to the top. Lots of excitement about Gusecki, but two, two targets over the preseason? Or maybe maybe it was four, something like that. I think it, I think it was two, then it went to right. four. Oh my gosh, he, I expected much more from this kid. Do you believe in Gusecki, or is he just on the wrong team? Well, I, I'm open to him rising in value, but if you're going to take a rookie tight end, I think it'd be Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Uh, Goddard, sorry. Dallas Goddard is the guy who's been dazzling in training camp, uh, a red zone touchdown every practice. Alshon Jeffries out at least the first two games. He was the 50-50 ball guy. So I, I think Goddard's the rookie tight end who could repeat what Evan Ingram did last year. And Gitsicki has that great, athleticism. I know Adam Gase in his offense turned Julius Thomas into a great fantasy commodity. I just don't know if it's going to happen right away. Maybe we'll be talking about Jasicki as a mid-season waiver wire pickup, uh, but I, I, I think that there's a clear pick if you want to take a rookie tight end in your draft. Since you brought up Dallas Goddard, I'd recently talked to a longtime NFL scout, Dave T. Thomas. He called Goddard baby Gronk. He loves yeah. him. Are you concerned with the competition there for Dallas? Or do you think they'll be running enough two tight end sets? Uh, what with the injury that you mentioned, is there enough to go around? There's enough to go around because tight end's a low bar for fantasy relevance. But yeah. I do think that once all hands are on deck, you know, Nelson Aguilar's coming in a little banged up. I yeah. think Corey Clement and Jai both are a little banged up. Obviously, uh, Alshon Jeffrey is uh, going to miss the first few games. And Carson Wentz isn't going to play either, probably, at least for the first game. So that's going to depress this offense as a whole, and uh, maybe it might be a little more of a problem then. But what I like about Goddard is his. I, I think we can look at Philadelphia as one of the most rational coaching staffs. So if you watch a player and you say he's good at this, the coaching staff is going to set him up to be successful in that role. Goddard's a, what Jimmy Graham was doing for the Seahawks last year. Just when you get down inside the ten, inside the five, put it up. No one's going to be able to get as high as him playing it above the rim. And I would expect Goddard to have a chance to score six to 10 touchdowns this year, which might make me a little bit less excited about Zach Ertz, whose rise to the top three in tight ends last year, I think was based mainly on a touchdown spike. Yeah, that's that's good insight. I like that. I I like a Goddard as well. I'm excited about him. Now you brought up Jimmy Graham. So let's turn our attention to Green Bay, the pass catchers. And if you want to talk about Graham, great. I'll, I'll let you run. But we've got Devontae Adams, of course. Everybody loves him. Lots of guys are, are for Jimmy Graham. Cobb is a hot pick right now, seventh, eighth round. Now, that third wide receiver is always a hot one, right, in Green Bay. In fact, 
Aaron Rodgers spreads it around. There's been eight times in his career when he's played 15 games or more. Six, six of those times, he's finished with two guys inside the top 24 for fantasy. Now, in comparison, Flacco, he's done that once. So, heck, with with, uh, the past catchers there in Green Bay, so many guys to choose from. Are you liking Geronimo Allison? Do you like the three rookie wide receivers? Who's the guy to take? Who's the guy to keep an eye on? It is Allison. I, mean, I think he's easily outdistanced himself from the rookies. Maybe Jake Kumaro would be someone we'd be talking about after the tremendous summer he was having, but he got hurt. Now I'm not sure if he's going to make the team. Some of these things we're talking about will resolve themselves. But uh, speaking of that, by the time you're listening, this might be a non-starter or might be one of the biggest stories of this weekend that there's rumors that Randall Cobb is on the trade block and at least some non-zero chance, maybe it's 0.001%, that he's released as a cap cut. So mm. that all of a sudden would make Geronimo Allison at that point becomes not just interesting but essential. Yes. I think he had something like six, six catches for over 100 yards in a game that Cobb missed last year. And we know Aaron Rodgers can take any competent player and really magnify their fantasy value. So I think it's definitely Allison is the guy to target. Well, certainly. That's, that's interesting. I've heard the Cobb rumors. Do you... Do you think there's this high chance? I just, I, I really kind of dismissed it. I thought that was an yeah, well, What do you think? Is there a chance where he could be playing with a different it's, uniform? There's been enough buzz that I don't want to dismiss it. Now, like I said, is it 5% or 25% or 0.001%? Um, there, I think there is some smoke, and I don't want to just dismiss that. Because the other thing about Cobb is he hasn't stayed healthy. He hasn't been adding that value. They have a player in Ty Montgomery who I think can do a reasonable impression of Cobb in the offense, if not be a little better than Cobb at this point, if Cobb can't stay healthy. So they have access to more information than we do about Cobb and whether he's going to ever become the player he was when they signed him to that big deal. Yeah, Ty Montgomery, I mean, we could have been talking about a wide receiver this year, I think, had it not been for the Aaron Jones suspension. He's yeah, a heck, I, heck I, of I agree. a pass catcher. And it might be a better uh, role for him to stay healthy and stay on the field. So yeah. these these are all things. There's a lot of variables here, and it's making me not dismiss it. Although I'd still say, you know, 98, 99% Cobb is on the roster in week one for the Packers. Well, we talked Green Bay. And at Pyro, we like to say, you know, power in numbers. There's certain teams, NFL teams, that you want to load up your fantasy roster with. Green Bay is certainly one. New England is another one. I mean, they're consistently predicted by Vegas to have the highest implied team total. They've got some bumps and bruises, and the the great Eric Decker experiment is no more. We know Edelman won't be on the field for a little while. I think el- eligible to play week five, I believe. Plus, he's, he's coming off an ACL injury. Chris Hogan is a guy I really like. Now, only played nine games last year, but in 44% of those games, he was a top 12 receiver in standard scoring. That's a higher consistency than Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, A.J. Green. What do you think of Chris Hogan and the Patriots pass catchers? Well, Hogan's a, a great value at his current ADP. If you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, sixth round, fifth, sixth round, ideally, yeah. uh, he's going to be a wide receiver too. I'm a little worried. Week one against Houston 11. Although he's lining up in a slot, he's lining up against their best corner in Aaron Coleman. But uh, other weeks where he get coming up where, you know, against Detroit, he might get to dodge Darius Slay. Against uh, Jacksonville, he might get to line up against their slot corner. Um, 
against Miami. He would get the Dodgers, Xavier Howard. One would hope. Uh, Hogan looks like a, a great play early on. And then when Edelman comes back, things get a little easier for him. And just in general, if you're asking a question about the Patriots receivers, you know, Cordero Patterson, Philip Dorsett, I'm not sure what the answer is going to be, but it's the right question. I think Julian Edelman's a fine value, even with the four-game suspension. Mm. He was showing enough, enough quickness and toughness in that third preseason game to me, for me to think that he's going to be mostly the player he was before the ACL tear, and that could be a target hog. That could be a player that catches seven to ten passes every week. The Patriots are going to lean on the short passing game, and that's yeah. where Edelman does a lot of damage. Yeah, I just I want players on those big scoring teams. It often translates to fantasy success. Now, if you haven't been keeping up with ADPs and mock drafts, there are certainly some hot names out there. I don't know if you want to call them sleepers, depending on your definition, maybe a, a breakout candidate, an under-the-radar guy, whatever the title is. These are guys who are often in your draft room. If you're picking them, you get a lot of commotion. Oh, good pick, you know. So let me throw out some names here and just tell me who you like. Give me some thoughts on them. But you got Galladay, Chris Godwin, Kiki Cutie, Taiwan, Taiwan Taylor, Antonio Callaway. Who are you liking out of those guys? Galladay. And I'm taking Galladay in best ball leagues. I'm taking him as early as the ninth or 10th round. I expect Galladay to turn that into more of a 1A, 1B, 1C. He's going to get a lot of the valuable deep targets, red zone targets, and some of the better matchups. I think Marvin Jones is going to be the one drawing players like uh, Xavier Rhodes uh, in those tough NFC North matchups. Uh, of the rest, I would say Godwin. I love Godwin, the player. I just think that Tampa's passing game is going to be so tough to predict week to week, a lot of the Jacksonville passing game. Uh, Cutie at this point is on that early season waiver wire speed dial. I would expect Bruce Ellington to be the guy week one, a good matchup against probably a rookie slot corner, Duke Dawson against New England. But Ellington, we know, hasn't been able to stay healthy. Cutie was on track to win the slot job before he got hurt. And I think we have not heard the last of him. Taewon Taylor, I like as a later round pick. Uh, a little bit baffling that Jay Sharp was playing ahead of him in two wide sets, plus Rashard Matthews, don't know how healthy he is, but Taylor looked really good on plays that looked like they were designed mm-hmm. for him. Week one against Miami, we know Xavier Howard is a shutdown corner. I'm not sure if he's going to lock up Rashard Matthews or Corey Davis, uh, but that other number two corner is a big question mark for their defense. And if it's Taylor, if it's Davis, if it's Matthews, I would expect that is where there's going to be a lot of success for Marcus Mariota. Callaway at this point maybe gets a – he's got a groin issue. Josh Gordon is back and reinstated, but he's got a hamstring issue. Um, maybe it's Rashard Higgins who gets some run against the Steelers in week one. But he's in that same category as QD, although I don't have as much uh, confidence in Callaway that keep him on your waiver wire watch. Let's see, see what happens. But since Josh Gordon showed up and got reinstated, he's got a lot less luster as an – early season sleeper for those of you playing the drinking game at home Sigmund mentioned Kiki Cutie twice so that is Mm -hmm. two drinks for you now I've been so enthralled with our conversation I'm going to need to pause to pay the bills and we'll come back and hear a little bit about of your your cutie love and talk some more fantasy football with Sigmund Bloom stick with us all right folks we are back on episode 68 of the Pyro Light podcast. This is Pyromaniac Moe, and I'm fortunate enough to be here with Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. We mentioned Cutie, the uh, the drinking game, your love. Uh, if folks are unfamiliar with you, are you still in love with Cutie as much as you once were? Well, I'm not spending a draft pick on him right now because I don't have to. 
but I still see speed that is going to translate immediately to the NFL field. I see Will Fuller, who's already banged up with a hamstring of his own, bulking up, which seems to me to be grasping at straws to try to stay on the field after having injury issues. The Texans talk a lot about for him, the main thing is staying on the field. So there could be an opening there for Cutie. And then watching Deshaun Watson back at uh, Clemson, he riffed well with his slot receivers. He riffed well with players that could be on the same page with him extending the play. Cutie has a lot of experience doing that at Texas Tech. Uh, I, I just think that you're going to see someone not quite Tyreek Hill speed. I don't care what Cutie's timed speed was. When you saw him with Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be really fun to watch with Tyreek Hill, you saw that he can get he has that extra gear when the ball's in the air that very few have. And I do think we're going to show, see that show up as long as he can stay healthy this year. All right, so uh, early Potential for a waiver wire guy in QT. Tight end strategy. Besides, now, let me just share this with you. In in best ball, I want to get your reaction. In best ball, I own a lot of Gronk shares. In fact, I've been trying to lock up a running back in round one if I can, depending on where I'm picking. And then I actually like taking a Gronk and a Kelsey or a Gronk and an Ertz. Partly to make sure no one else has that positional advantage. Plus, you, hopefully, I'm going to be able to get one of those guys. Obviously, is going to score tight end. One, the other one is going to score flex position points. Is that a viable strategy, or am I wasting my pick? It's a viable strategy. In a best ball, I like to lock up two. Yeah, in best ball, I'll find myself going Gronk Graham, um, Gronk Reed, um, um, Graham Engram, and I like it for two reasons. One is it's one of the easiest positions to just maximize your potential scoring at uh, by taking those early picks. And I like the depth. I like the players I can get at running back and wide receiver and quarterback much better than I like the players I can get at tight end as far as a sense of certainty that they're going to contribute something most weeks. The other thing is when you think about tight end, there's going to be a limited number of games that are worth, say, 15 or more points. Let's put a cutoff around 15 because there's going to be a lot of games where a player has two for 27 and a touchdown or three for 31 and a touchdown. Those 12 to 15 points games might be more plentiful, and that might be where you can pick up points with the players that you get in the second half of your draft. But the the seven for 100 and touchdown games or multiple touchdown games, those can be very limited. And if you can take two players that are going to eat up maybe 40 or 50 percent of those mm-hmm. big games, then not only are you going to have the highest ceiling at tight end, but you're also going to lower the ceiling for everybody else and right. increase the potential advantage. And if you draft well at running back wide receiver later, you're going to make up the gap that you gave up by taking those tight ends early. So not only do I think it's a viable strategy, it's a strategy I'm going with. Now, now I've been doing this in best ball. I haven't really drafted redraft yet. I got like three coming up here, but um, it, would you say that translates to redraft leagues? If, of course, if as long as you can start a tight end in the flex spot. Is that yeah, something you can do there? It's a, only tight end premium. Only when you get that 1.5 yeah. PPR. Um, okay. Otherwise, it, it's it's tempting. It's almost like price enforcement in auctions where if you take Gronk early, you almost want to take Jordan Reed in the 7th or 8th round just to make sure somebody can't get something close to what you're going to get. Because the last time Reed was healthy three years ago, before these toe issues came up, he... I think slightly outscored Gronkowski on a game by game basis. I believe he did. But at the same time, yeah. So he was now in the toe issue started in 2016. He got them surgically corrected. I don't know if Reed will 
stay healthy. Uh, it's always something with him. So I understand maybe going with Gronk and Reed or even Gronk and Eifert late. Because so, what you want to do is I paid a second round pick for Gronk. I don't want someone to pay a seventh round pick for Reed or a 13th round pick for Eifert and get something close to what I got. But that's the only variation on a strategy I would do in a typical lineup setting league. And I hear you mention some other names, Graham, Reed, Eifert. Let's say you don't get the top three tight ends. Are you going to take a middle round guy, you know, an Ingram, you said Graham, an Olsen, a Walker, or would you rather wait till, you know, 10th round and beyond? Of course, Njoku's there. He's looking good. Uh, there are some good dart throws. If you don't get the top three, are you taking a tight end before or after 10th round? I like Graham a lot. If I'm not getting Gronk, I'm targeting Graham. And then otherwise I'm waiting. Uh, I, I think there's two ways to play the tight end position. You either want to create a big advantage at the position compared to everybody else, uh, or you want to shoot for an elite upside later. So Reed and Eifert also fit. Or uh, you want to use later picks and get middling production. You're not going to create an advantage at the position, but you're going to create advantage at other positions and close the gap between you and the people who did invest heavily at tight end. So then you are looking at players later on, like I mentioned Dallas Goddard, um, Ricky Seals-Jones is another guy with some upside to be you know, a top six to eight tight end. Even Eric Ebron. Ugh. I don't <laughs> like Eric Ebron, the player, but he's going to get opportunity. I think you could easily see both tight ends in Indy get 80 to 90 targets, maybe even 100 targets. So I would look for those as players later on in your draft. Ebron, Goddard, and Seals-Jones, that if I'm going to slough the position, and you know, Seals-Jones has a good week one matchup. If you're, and you could just straight up stream and look at Safarian Jenkins week one against the Giants. Um, but Seals-Jones has a good matchup week one against Washington. Goddard with Alshon Jeffrey out could get off to a hot start against Atlanta. Uh, and then I think with Cincinnati, um, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where Luck is going to go, but I know he's had a lot of success targeting Ebron in camp and then looked good in the third preseason game. Let's turn our attention to zero RB strategy. That is certainly a, a large move and has been for a couple of years. You even have the modified zero RB where you might be taking a, a running back in rounds one or two and then holding off. Let's say you are First off, you know, your feelings on zero RB, or as Paul Charchian might say, do the opposite. Your feelings on this strategy, and then maybe a couple names, some mid-round, you know, six-round or later running backs that you feel would be a good pick. It can work. I mean, every strategy, this is the classic Bloom quote here, every strategy works if you pick the right players. <laughs> so I, 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 I wouldn't swear it off by any means. Um, I do think that... Go, truly going zero running back, and I might well call it um, um, upside down drafting. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's necessary this year because you're losing out on late round wide receiver value or even from the seventh round on wide receiver value. So I might not feel necessary to to not get any running backs in the first five or six rounds. Um, I might take one running back maybe in the first round, maybe in um, the third round or fourth round and then count on the later running backs to fill in my running back two slot and my depth. But still, you know, especially if you draft uh, late in the first round and you might start wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, if I can start Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, uh, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and that's really enticing. Then you get to the three, four turn, and maybe you really want to go for the jugular and you, know, you take Zach Ertz or Aaron Rodgers and someone like Amari Cooper. Um, it's somebody with a high ceiling there because because you know if you can get amari cooper as your number three receiver producing like other people's number ones 
then you can really go for it. And and then once you get to that point, this five, the five six turn, uh, there's a lot of names. Um, Jamal Williams looks like he's asserted himself as the starter for Green Bay now. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, always love Marshawn Lynch. He looks fantastic. Yeah. The yeah. brief glimpse that we got, and a coach I think who's going to use him the right way. Um, Rex Burkhead, uh, who's healthier than Sony Michelle, and you know we know that his touchdown rate last year was fantastic in a very productive offense. Um, some running backs that have been remain starters even though we expected them to get displaced by rookies uh chris carson peyton barber carlos hyde you know this fits well in the strategy because you you start them early on in the year you know they're the start of the beginning of the season if the rookies come on and start to close the gap well perhaps that complicates things but you have time with waiver wire trades to rub two sticks together and make it work also in his year running back strategy uh Chris Thompson, Tariq Cohen, Duke Johnson, Shawnee Bernard, um, James White. These are players that can get you cheap 8, 10, 12-point weeks in PPR leagues. Again, the idea being that – and then you're going to be resourceful and try to continue to upgrade those running back positions. But it can absolutely work, and because of the prevalence of, of receiving running backs and because some of these starters – Adrian Peterson fits into zero running back strategy this year too. Um, these late – breaking starters where they haven't been drafted as starters for a while, so their ADP is still depressed a little bit. They fit very well. A lot of names you mentioned that are certainly hot and some names just to kind of circle back a little bit. Now, with Geis, you know, just a tragedy. Hate to see that happen. So exciting. You know, the more exciting players in fantasy we have, the happier we are. I I hate to see it for a kid like that coming out of college with such high hopes. Hopefully he works hard. We we see him next season. What are they left with? I mean, are you gonna? Would you take AP out of that backfield? I mean, they've got Samaj P. Ryan. They got Fat Rob Kelly. Chris Thompson, of course, is great, but he's kind of banged up right now. Who would be the Washington go-to guy? I do think it is Peterson, and I think they're going to run him as much as he can, as long as he can last. Their offensive line and running game is underrated. Last year, the offensive line was decimated by injuries, but in 2016, Matt Jones and Rob Kelly had some fantasy relevance, at least in good matchups. I think Rob Kelly might have had a three-touchdown game that year. Uh, Peterson's better than either of them. Peterson still has more than they had then. And uh, he also has that extra fuel. He loves to prove the doubters wrong. So I think you're going to see him right away against Arizona. Arizona's switching over to a new defense, new Carolina-style 4-3 defense. Um, I'm not sure about their defensive line depth. I'm not sure about their linebackers. Deion Buchanan's a little banged up. Uh, That might be a vulnerable defense week one. So I could see Peterson getting off to a hot start. And then uh, you ride him until he runs out of gas and... Who knows when that'll happen? He was in a terrible situation with Arizona last year. So I don't know that we saw that he was washed up last year. He certainly looked like not necessarily prime Adrian Peterson, but still somebody a la Frank Gore who can get it done long after other guys have gone off by the wayside. Yeah. And as long as they were giving him enough opportunities, you know, I mean, I think he set a record, didn't he? With uh, the most carries in a game with Arizona, he did well. Once you get feed him enough, he's going to do well. And Washington doesn't have that many backs to feed. Let's be honest. So I, too, like an Adrian Peterson. Of course, I like a Chris Thompson. Another real hot name right now is McCaffrey. Roto World quote, McCaffrey's the back to own in Carolina. There was early on when C.J. Anderson came, lots of excitement. You know, he, he was certainly a better back, in my opinion, than Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, just 27 years old for C.J. Anderson. Are we going to believe what we've been hearing and seeing? It looks like. McCaffrey's the man, and they are going to try to make him a bell cow or get him as many touches as possible. Do you believe 
the line we're being fed about McCaffrey, or is C.J. Anderson a viable option? I believe it. I'm still not going to draft McCaffrey in the first round, early second round. I don't know if it's the best way to use him. I don't know if they're going to come to their senses or he's just going to be inefficient. I didn't see enough from McCaffrey last year to make me really excited to spend one of my top two picks on him. I'm fully open to being wrong on this. He might get 275 carries and 75 receptions. And in that case, it's going to look smart for drafting him even in the late first round. But I would expect North Turner to either come to his senses. And remember, Carolina's offensive line also has had a lot of injuries in the preseason. So that doesn't make me as excited. Cam Newton uh, isn't the best touch passer or has the most awareness out there. That doesn't make me as excited to take McCaffrey. But that being said, I'm not going for C.J. Anderson either because I do think they are committed to McCaffrey. I, I agree. I love McCaffrey, but I don't know if, I mean, he's creeping up in first round almost or early second. That might be too high of a premium to pay. Turning over to Mr. Nick Chubb, Rotowire quoted as saying, nothing but a late round stash at this point. Now, certainly in dynasty circles, Chubb carries a lot more weight, a lot more focus. But let's just talk redraft for the moment in all the range of outcomes. What are the chances Chubb is a better pick than his teammate Carlos Hyde? I doubt it this year. There might be a point that Chubb has more value than Hyde, that the scales tip in Chubb's direction because Hyde gets banged up or Hyde has to get pulled out in a game and then Chubb looks good. But Hyde is still a really good running back. I don't think Hyde's going to go away the same way that Latavius Murray looked like he was going to go away uh, for Minnesota last year when Dalvin Cook came on. So Chubb is the classic player that uh, is going to be drafted and then maybe drop three or four weeks into the season and then hope as other teams are going through the bye week gauntlet, you can pick him up and stash him and hope for the best. You still like him in Dynasty? Yeah, and I think Baker Mayfield showing out well in the preseason gives us optimism about this offense long term. Uh, And I I still think Chubb is going to rise to the top of this backfield in short order, two, three years at the most. But for now, uh, Hyde, there's no reason for them to be demoting him. And Hyde at least will play well enough to deserve that role. We'll just see if he stays healthy enough to keep the role. Another interesting backfield would be the Colts. Now, let's say Luck, you know, he's been dinking and dunking, but let's say he does get back to form. If so, they could certainly surpass the 6.5 wins Vegas is predicting him. If that's the case, they could be facing a lot of positive game scripts, and you might be able to get a running back steal with current Colts ADPs. A couple of stats here. 60% of the defenses they faced in the first five games rank in the top five worst Rush defenses, according to friend of the podcast, John Tuvey. They do see a rough week one, or I'm sorry, they do see a rough one in week three against the Eagles, but still three of their first five opponents rank in the bottom five for rushing. We've got Marlon Mack, who's been falling boards a little bit. Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Are you interested in any of these guys? Sure, the speculative value is there. Um, it's a difficult thing to get a read on. It might be fluid. This is kind of like the Jacksonville wide receivers, where over the course of the season, there might be X number, seven, you know, uh, running back two or better weeks, but they might be split up among three players, and it might be difficult week to week to know what's going to happen. So I would say to open the season, you take Jordan Wilkins late. I don't know if I'm excited to play him against Cincinnati, but we're going to see what he can do against Cincinnati. Let's see how Marlon Mack responds with that hamstring. If Marlon Mack gets back on the field and makes it through a game, a week of practices without the hamstring being an issue, he becomes the most valuable player in this backfield. Um, Naeem Hines I still love as a player, but he failed to generate any momentum in the preseason. And then let's remember Robert Turbin, 
whenever he comes back after his suspension. Uh, he was the goal line back for them last year. I think the team likes him. But this is probably going to remain a pass-heavy offense. It's going to remain an offense that runs through Andrew Luck. They do have the best offensive line they've had for a while. Um, Frank Reich used four running backs in Indy, I'm sorry, in Philly last year. I think that once they're healthy, if they can all get healthy at once, he'll use four again in Indianapolis. Folks, we are going to take a pause one last time and try to get the most info out of Sig before he's got to hit the road. So stay tuned and we will be right back. All right, thanks for sticking with us. A little less than 10 minutes left with Mr. Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. This is the Pyro Light Podcast. I am Pyromaniac Mel. We're just kind of doing a whip around the league here. Jacksonville. Before I get to Jacksonville, let me back up. You did mention Marshawn Lynch as a guy that you like. Paul Charchian loves a Marshawn Lynch roughly. He's a, a zero RB back. He's going roughly about seventh round. You know The pluses, John Tooby ranks their O-line seventh best. PFF ranked him tied for 11th best straight running back last year. Not a lot of tread on the tires. He's with an old school coach that should use him well. However, negatives, they do have a, a rough SOS. The Pyro, uh, Pyro SOS, I believe, has him in the bottom three. Tuvi gives him the hardest schedule out of the gates. He's not a pass catcher. Are you a fan? I, I believe you You mentioned his name. You're a believer with uh, Chucky, with Gruden? I am, and I think that um, the offensive line is going to be set up well for him. I think that he's going to be used better. He's slimmer. I think he's playing a little heavier last year. You could see on that long touchdown run that got called back in week one of the preseason that he's got speed that we haven't seen from him in four or five years now. Um, I expect John Gruden and some of the things we make fun of him about being so simplistic to be good for Lynch. And we were paying mm-hmm. a third, fourth round pick for Lynch in a very similar situation at this time last year. Now you can get him in the sixth or seventh round. Uh, I love it. I, I'm liking Lynch, too. He's a great back. I want to see some more beast mode because, damn, it's just fun to watch. Also yeah. fun to watch, Jacksonville man Leonard Fournette. Now, I'm loving me some Leonard Fournette, but behind him, TJ Yeldon, Corey Grant. I'm liking both these guys. Corey Grant, he is looking strong in the preseason, and I looked on uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF. They ranked him as if you just click on the rushing for when when they grade their players, he was their number one ranked straight rushing running back last year, Corey Grant. Now, are you taking the early pick with a Leonard Fournette, or are you going to hold out for a Yeldon or a Grant? I'll take Fournette uh, after Melvin Gordon's gone, if I'm picking, say, 8th, ninth, 10th. Um, I like stashing Yeldon, although there's a lot of enticing picks. But Yeldon's better for long bench leagues where you, you still have extra spots to cycle through the waiver wire. Um, in a short bench league, there are other backup running backs I might like better because I don't have to wait around as long. But when I'm looking at backup running backs to take, I'm looking at the quality of the back, the quality of the situation, the likelihood that the star is going to go down. And we know Fournette's been struggling with ankle and foot issues. And then the quality of the situation. And we, this is a great, great situation. Like only New England and New Orleans are probably better situations for a running back than Jacksonville. So, of course, it's, I, I don't think it has to be either or. It depends on how much of a satellite back role they carve out for Corey Grant. He's been very explosive per touch. If that gets up to seven or ten touches a game without Fournette getting hurt, that's something to hang around and keep as an emergency play, knowing that if Fournette were to go down, that would increase maybe 10, 12, 15 touches a game and make Grant and PPR a weekly starter. So I think Jacksonville's backfield's a great place to look for value. You know, it's always tough to to play that game if X 
happens, then Wise is going to be yeah. great. If this guy goes down, it's a tough thing to bet on. It's even tougher to hold on to when you're you got a short bench. Waiver wire decisions are happening. A guy pops in week one or week two. Do you hold on to this guy because it's going to be a great opportunity if his um, predecessor, the guy in front of him, goes down, or do you go to the waivers? Another team that I think is kind of like that. It might be Minnesota. Cook, second rounder, Latavius Murray. Now, do you think Latavius Murray is one of those guys that will only really have value if the running back in front of him, Cook, goes down? Or, I mean, when you look for breakouts, Latavius Murray could be looking at a little bit of a breakout, even if Cook stays on the field. They seem to like him. Would you take Latavius Murray, or is it just a a break break glass in case of injury kind of situation? No, I would take him. Um, He could be the goal line back. He could be a matchup play. Maybe week one against San Francisco even. Um, I am worried about Minnesota's offensive line. I do think that he's only going to be a reliable play if Dalvin Cook goes down. I still think we're going to see Cook get 65% of the carries and a lot of the receptions. But Murray looks a lot better than he did this time last year where he was coming off of off-season ankle surgery. And I think they feel comfortable with the two of them as like a 65-35 kind of split. So that makes Murray worth a pick where he's going in drafts. Now, I know the Audible is touted as being a Broncos podcast. Yeah. Are are you buying Royce Freeman? Are we really to believe that he is this good, or is Dante Booker still there? I mean, there's still, you know, D'Angelo Williams in the wings. Uh, God bless him, and hopefully he gets on track. But they've got David Williams. They've got a Phil Lindsay, who David T. Tom, or Dave T. Thomas called Sleeper Central pick. What do you think of the Broncos' backfield? It's going to be frustrating at first because they have this great fascination with Devontae Booker. He's not even as good as D'Angelo Henderson. I hope they don't cut Henderson because someone else is going to pick him up and make something out of him. Um, with Royce Freeman, you just have to be patient. You're spending a fourth or fifth round pick on him. But at least to start the season, the usage might frustrate you. Uh, the week one matchup against Seattle might be a little tough going at first. Uh, they have a good run defense. Um, Denver's wide receivers are looking good. Maybe they become a little more pass-centric to open the season. So patience with Royce Freeman as he could eventually pay off, but you're counting on Denver to get over this uh, need to prove that they were right to have Devontae Booker ranked so high when they were yeah. drafted him. What about a guy that I'm liking I'm, I haven't heard much about, but Chris Ivory? Beast East, as it were. There are so many questions surrounding McCoy. Now, we all know the NFL, they can take a while to run an investigation. I mean, it can take a couple years. I mean, if they even, let's say they do find McCoy guilty, they might not even penalize him till the season's over and done with, till till next year. Perhaps. I don't know. Is Ivory a, a sneaky pick that no one's really talking about, considering how much doubt there is surrounding McCoy? I don't know. I mean, nothing's – look, the NFL washing machine of news, they're so mm-hmm. perception-based that if, if McCoy starts to dominate the news cycle again, something else comes out, he absolutely can end up on the exempt list, and then you have the starting running back in Ivory. But Buffalo's offense looks so bad. The offensive yeah. line just giving up jailbreak after jailbreak against the Bengals. And they're going to have McCarron, Allen, a quarterback, a, a very underwhelming group of pass catchers. I just see this as an offensive futility. So – I don't want to wait, draft Ivory, and wait for the possible payoff, which really might not be much of a payoff at all if this offense is – I'm afraid of what this offense's effect on McCoy, as it is. So I do think that there is a path to value for Ivory. I'm just not sure what that value is and how long we have to wait for it. 
Sig, I, I thank you for giving me your time. I got a four-question quick quiz. Yeah, the All lightning gotta, round. The lightning round, baby. Just give me a name, and I'm going to give you two. You give me the best one. McKinnon, third round. Brita, 13th. Alfred Morris in the last round. <laughs> okay. All right. None of the above. Marquise God, uh, Goodwin. Wow. Sixth round or Garcon eighth. Goodwin. Yeah. PPR. Thalen or Diggs. Both are third round. Diggs. Diggs and PPR. All right. And last one in the lightning round. Both going roughly seventh round. Carson or Penny? Well, none of the above, you know, okay. Adrian Peterson or Jamal Williams. But if All you right. have to take a Seattle back, Carson. Okay, man. Uh, you get an A. You passed. <laughs> I know you're biting your it's nails. Like I'm, in the, I'm in front of the class in my underwear again. <laughs> Sig, I, I know you're a busy man. I really appreciate you making time. I, I can't thank you enough. It's always a pleasure. You're, you're a good man, sir. I always look forward to this, Mo. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, once again, he is Sigmund Bloom. Follow him, just as it sounds, on Twitter, co-owner, football guys. Do yourself a favor. The Audible podcast is fantastic, but I'm serious. If you have not checked out the On the Couch podcast, it is fantastic. This has been episode 68 of the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. Settle in, crack open an IPA, because you are about to hear some first tube in its entirety from Fish, and I will get in your ears on the next time.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.